You're listening to Leafs Lunch with Julia Tusheri and Michael DeStefano on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. It comes back out in center and the Leafs bring it right back in. Kerfoot sending it to the front of the net. They score! Back to the point again and drive. They score! it back to the blue line. Nylander to Matthew scores! That tremendous release from Austin Matthews! In front of the net now for Matt Marner. In front of the net it goes to shot scored by Bunting! Works in on the right side. Left-handed shot. Scores! For the first time this year, the Leafs will score four or more and lose a game. A little black keys to start the show, Frankie. I'm Mike DiStefano with Frank Corrado. Uh, you're listening to Leafs Lunch in Toronto, suffering their first shootout loss on the season. Uh, Frankie, uh, before we get into into last night's game, I, I got a riddle for you, pal. A little riddle. Really? You want to yeah. start the show with a riddle. All right, Al's brother. I'll bite. What do you got? What do the Maple Leafs and I have in common? Please do tell. We both slept through the first 15 minutes of that hockey game. Unfortunately, the Maple Leafs just clearly weren't awake there for the first little bit. And oh. I had, honestly, one of the worst sleeps the night before yesterday. I might have gotten two hours maximum, and I got home from Leafs lunch and just shut her down. I said to myself, I'm going to take a little nap. I slept right through overdrive. I didn't even get to watch your you on, o, on OD. Apparently, there were some slanderous things that were being said about me by <laughs> what I thought was my friend and teammate, uh, Jeff O'Neill. We'll have to discuss those things on a later date. Yeah. But I, I actually like forgot to set my alarm and uh, ended up sleeping and woke up at like 7.40, 7.30, and was well, like, oh, no, it's already 2 nothing." It, it's actually interesting, Al's brother. Like, I used to set an alarm when I played hockey for my, my pregame nap because I didn't want it to go too long. Like, you either had to nap for 30 yep. minutes or 90 minutes. 60 minutes was no good because you're in the middle of, like, a REM cycle, and two hours was no good because for the same reason. So I would set an alarm. But I will say, if I ever shut her down now for a nap, I don't set an alarm because I'm probably sleeping for like 40, 45 minutes. It's like a little power nap. The fact that you need to set an alarm for a afternoon nap is somewhat concerning to me. Are you sleeping at all during the night? So that no, that's the problem. I had like 2 hours of sleep the night before. So I nece- I needed like a full full on like 3 is, hour is that because nap to catch up. Is that because you're on, like, the dark web looking at football stats? <laughs> what What is it that you're doing that's not allowing you to fall asleep at night? You know what it is, like, and I'm sure there's a lot of people listening who kind of have this problem. Over the holidays, you get into some weird schedules. Like, you're staying up a little later than you do when you're with the family. There's not as much going on. And you start binging some Netflix, and next thing you know, it's 4 a.m. and you're finally going to sleep. 
But then you don't wake up until pretty late the next day because yeah. there's a lot of days off that you have throughout the holidays. Well, you don't wake just... up until you don't wake up until late <laughs> the next day because you don't have kids or, or quite frankly, it's any true. responsibilities <laughs> other than Leafs lunch and football picks. So you you have that luxury. A lot of other You're people. Right have to wake up at 7 a.m. after going to bed at, at 2. So they, they don't have that luxury. You're you talked right. about binging. You're a dog like, dad. You know what's going on nowadays. I'm, I'm a dog dad. Like, the dog sleeps in the bed, and 7.30 rolls around, and the dog starts saying, like, dude, we're getting up now whether you like it or not. Um, so I have no choice. Um, I got to admit something. Like, you talked about binging Netflix. I haven't binged a TV show on Netflix in a long time, and mostly because I've seen a lot of the stuff on there. Um, and the stuff that I haven't seen, I, I don't really care for. Um, but over the holidays, my wife and I started binging another TV show, and it's been around a long time. It's that one with Kiefer Sutherland, where he's the the president of the United oh, States, designated yes. survivor. I I, I also I binged that like a year and a half ago. Yeah, like I know I know we're very off topic here, but it's the first TV show I've binged in years, like le- legitimately years. And we watched the whole first season. I think it's 21 episodes. I think we watched it in three days, and that's because oh we forced ourselves to take like some some breaks. But yeah, it was it was a nice time in the holidays, and Leafs are back at it. We're back at it, and here we go, buddy. That was uh, yeah. that was quite the game last night. Well, you know, it's funny. It's one of those games where, and I'm curious to hear your perspective as a former player, but, you know, as a fan, you kind of enjoy some high-scoring games. There's at least some excitement. Um, there's some nerves there where it's like, oh, no, it's like Samsonov. This is now, what, four games in a row yeah. where he's been very suspect and questionable. The defensive play in front of him wasn't very good. But at the same time, you saw a lot of goals, and you saw a, a comeback. They had to come back a couple of times in that game, which is always fun to see. You ended up seeing Matthews make history with his 500th career point. Um, you ended up seeing a lot of really good things last night. But at Michael the same Bunting, time, like Michael, Michael Bunting, Bunting was really good again. Like I know yeah. we're, we're going to get into this later on about the contract. And, you know, it seems like the Leafs have kind of reached out to his camp to inquire what that's going to look like. But there is and not a bad you know, night for, for that to for that to come out. And then for him to have a three point exactly. performance, eh, yeah. that works out pretty well for him. And yeah, his it, it probably catches their attention a little bit. And um, listen, for a night where there was, you know, some things like the goaltending you talk about and, you know, the play in front of the net, which was subpar, you, you like to see a team that doesn't give up, you know, and, and doesn't lose that game by, um, you know, like, 5-2, 5-3, like, you, you don't want to yeah. see them lose like that. You'd rather see them go down swinging, and if you get a couple, like, you get one save in overtime, but if you get a couple saves in the shootout, there's enough guys, you know, that, that could that could get you the win there. Um, it just doesn't happen, but coming off the game in Colorado, it felt like it was a very business-like game in Colorado. There's There was, like, this sense of maturity to it where it just felt like the, the top guys and everyone else kind of followed in in afterwards, but everyone just kind of did their jobs. Um, no one tried to do anyone else's jobs, and, and it seemed like it, it just felt very businesslike. And this game was a little bit of playing catch-up, a little bit of, you know, letting in some soft goals, and, you know, it just wasn't that collective kind of perfection that we've seen from this team a lot throughout the course of the season. Yeah, so why don't we dig into some of this stuff, uh, Frankie? Let's let's get to some of the, the stays and goes from last night's 6-5 loss to the St. Louis Blues. Well, I suppose we should get going. All right, everybody, stay right where you are. Get the hell out of here. No, you stay here. You got to get going, so go. I'm sorry you came. 
time now for stay. Nobody got a gun to your head. Or go. I'll be back. All you have to do is hey, a minute, just take your time. All right, Frankie, as we do after each and every Maple Leafs game, we're going to go through some of the things that we liked about last night that we want to see stay and some things that we didn't like a whole lot that we want to see go. Let's start with the positives and some of the stuff that we want to see stay uh, moving forward. And I think one thing that that it has really stayed around now for about a year is modern Maple Leafs rewriting the record books. I mean, last night, Austin Matthews becoming the fastest Maple Leaf to 500 points. He gets it done in, I think, 445 games, 50 games sooner than both Rick Five and Matt Sundin, who had previously had that record. So this is like the third record that the Maple Leafs team record that the Maple Leafs have broken um, this this year. I I mean, yeah, it's unreal. It's crazy. It's it's crazy. It's really cool to see, and it, it's unfortunate that the team hasn't had the playoff success because I feel like if they had, like if they had gone to the second round at least a couple times, even once, you know, we it feels like the players would would welcome this and celebrate it a little more. Like these are big accomplishments. These are big individual accomplishments, and it almost feels like there's um, uh, an unwillingness to really um, celebrate it, um, and that'll come. You know, like the the playoff success will come, but for the time being, man, like these guys are rewriting the record books, like you said, and um, it, it's very well deserved, and it's it's very very impressive. And and Matthews is is the latest guy to do it, and it seems like he just he just keeps doing it. You know, he's whether he's scoring goals or or getting points, it's you now it's been really incredible to watch his journey from day one in the league. And well, you were there on on day one of the league, actually. So you have legitimately have a, a you know a first hand perspective on that. But the fact that he's doing it with a whole bunch of different line mates too is is kind of crazy. Like we came into the year assuming Matthews Marner that's your top line the entire year. They're not going to mess around with that. We know that works. Well, about a dozen or so games into the year, it wasn't necessarily working. So Sheldon Keefe shuffles things up. He puts Nylander up on that line. And they've been, statistically, the best line in hockey yeah. since that moment. And, you know, I think it's just incredible. And it's not even that Matthews is out there scoring a whole bunch. You've got Willie out there scoring. you got Michael Bunting, who's been unbelievable the, the last little bit here, scoring at over a point per game in his last 19 um, and last night, you look at the game, like just pure dominance again from that trio. At five on five, 64% shot share, 72% expected goals, and scored three goals at five on five while out there on the ice and didn't allow a single goal themselves. Um, yeah. th- they really are playing some of really excellent quality hockey right now, that trio. And Al's brother, I don't know if it's quietly or not, but Willie Nylander is leading the team in points and goals. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. like it, it's been a, it's been a, I don't know if you can call it a breakout year for Willie, but, you know, in a, on a team where we almost thought of Matthews and Marner a step ahead of everyone else, Willie's gone about his business, right? He's gone about his business and, and it comes at the right time for him as well. So, um, listen, it's been, it's been impressive the, the way that top line is played and, They've played together a lot in the past. This is one thing, like, Babcock did not want to split up uh, Nylander and Matthews. He just wouldn't do it. He would never put Marner and Matthews together. And when Sheldon Keith finally did it, we saw the, the offensive outburst that these guys could put together. And I like the fact that Sheldon Keith is not afraid to go back to it. It's like he's not stubborn, yeah. right? He'll say, I'll, I'll go back to Nylander and Matthews if that's what I think is best for my team. And, you know, you get Tavares and Marner together. There's nothing wrong with that. It, it's... It's been a good combination, 
and you don't need to say that it's permanent or temporary. It's just what you're doing right now, and it's helping you win games. Yeah, it's working. So you know, you don't got to mess with a good thing. All right, Frankie, what's some stuff you want to see stay? Here's one else, brother. Michael Bunting on the first power play unit. It's crowded. Okay, you're going with a five forward power play unit, and Michael you like Bunting the five forward there. unit though. Like, well, as a defenseman. This is this is my dilemma. I would prefer to have a defenseman on that unit, but then Michael Bunting is the odd man out. So I'm I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place here because I mm. like Bunting on the first power play unit. Just the fact that he's able to hound pucks. He's really good on retrievals. He's not afraid to take the goalie's eyes away. He kind of does a lot of greasy kind of grunt work on the power play that I really appreciate. But if you have a defenseman on the power play, he's the odd man out. You're not going to take John Tavares off the power play. He's got seven power play goals this year. He's got ten power play assists. That's his bread and butter. And you're obviously, obviously, obviously not taking off Marner, Nylander, Matthews. So bunting is the odd man out. So while I don't necessarily love a five-forward power play, Case in point, the shorthanded goal last night, which yeah. a defenseman would probably play that one-on-one a little bit better than Mitch Marner, although he didn't play it that bad. That's a That goal is on Ilya Samsonov. That's a squeaker. That shouldn't go in. I do like having bunting on that first power play unit, so it is a little bit of a dilemma for me. But for the time being, it works. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've, they've been working. They scored last night, bunting. Uh, did get the goal there on one of his goals was on the power play in the third period. Yeah, it was nice the pass goal. from Nylander, which was which was a great pass. It's really it's a really smart pass by Willie because he has his head. He's looking at Marner. He's got everyone thinking he's going to pass it up to the point, and he just slides it under the St. Louis Blues player's stick to Bunting, and it just it goes right against the grain. It's a very uh, very deceptive little play by Nylander there. You Bunting. know the one thing that I do like about the, the five forward unit, we'll move on after this, but what I do like about it is that because there's no defenseman, you kind of have five forwards who can all play, you know, all five positions, let's say. Yeah, on, they interchange way more. And they're just moving around way more, and I feel like that stretches the, the PK and it opens a lot more up, and you see a lot more cross-ice seam passes. You see more open, uh, more guys open in the slot. Like, I just feel like it opens up things for that unit when they have five guys. Well, it doesn't get as stagnant, right? Like yeah, that's the exactly. thing. It doesn't, it doesn't get as stagnant. There's way more interchange happening. And so, you know, you keep teams on their toes that ways. What else you got else brother? What's uh, your stay? Really, really quickly. This one's maybe, maybe a little bit off the board, but I, I actually liked Dryden Hunt's game last night. So I, I think Dryden yeah. Hunt can stay in the lineup. Uh, had three hits last night, had a really good scoring chance. You know, I, you know, fourth line has struggled a little bit throughout the game. The underlying numbers didn't look that great. But the third period in particular, there was one play that I wanted to kind of highlight where, you know, the fourth line was was hemming St. Louis in their zone, winning puck battles. Um, and, and Dryden Hunt was battling in front of the net and did a little pop-out into the slot. Nice little yeah. one-timer trance off a cross-ice seam. Didn't score on the goal, but it's good to see, you know, good high IQ play that uh, can set up some things. If he had a little bit more finish to him, and this was kind of the problem, not the problem, but this was the scattering report on Dryden right. Hunt. It's like he doesn't have the finish, but he does have the you know the brains and the and, and the toughness to, uh, yeah. to play a and solid got- fourth-line role. So I thought he did that well last night, and that's a, a nice little nucleus that he, Zach Aston Reese, and, and Pontus Holmberg have, uh, have created as of, as of late. Well, that's that'll be a line that when people say tough to play against, that's got the mo that line yeah. right there, right? Like some guys with a little more size, a little more bulk, aren't 
afraid to play with the puck down low, hound pucks, finish a hit. Doesn't mean you gotta run guys over, but you know when 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 you're on the puck, you make it hard for teams to get it off you, and you know you put pucks to spaces where you're gonna get it back, and and that's what those guys did last night. It was that's a that's a nice fit on a line of guys who can make it a harder game for you if you're a defenseman. And, you know, that that's a line that's going to go out against a lot of third D pairs. And, you know, they, they can they can find ways to take advantage of those guys. They're going to get favorable matchups in that regard. So, yeah, I, I liked it. One, one of the other things that I liked, Al's brother, was the, the five-on-five offensive zone time. And anytime the Leafs kind of got rolling around in the offensive zone, you could see St. Louis kind of struggling to pick up, um, you know, switches on guys. And, you know, when you look at Al's brother, I know you love the numbers, so I'll give you some numbers here. At even strength last night, the Leafs spent 26 minutes in the offensive zone. Compared to St. Louis, they spent just over 17. Um, That's with the puck. And then with possession, Toronto was eight minutes. St. Louis was three minutes and 57 seconds. So it's, it's, it's very obvious the more time you spend in the offensive zone, the better chance you have of, of winning the game and keeping the puck out of your zone. And it's just, it, it, it becomes a smothering game when the Leafs do that. They make it very difficult on the opposition. And, um, you know, you could see when they get all five guys involved in the offensive zone and they start doing switches and rotations, how St. Louis had a hard time picking up on that. And I think that can kind of lead into uh, our goes because as well as the offense played, the defense and the goaltending wasn't up to par like the offense was. And I think that's a big reason why this team lost the game last night. And and the bubble bursting on Samsonov is one of my goes. Uh, It's now four straight games where we've seen him struggle. He's allowed 17 goals in those last four, an 8.50 save percentage, despite being 2-1-1. Um, but but that's something that, that I'd like to see go. And it seems like, go and look at each one of these games, there seems to be one or two goals that you just sit there and say, you got to have that. Like that that first one, uh, shorthanded, like you got to have that goal. Uh, that's Sam. my goal. That, that's, that's my goal, Al's brother. It's that squeaker, shorthanded, and like I talked about, Marner didn't do a horrible job playing it. Saad couldn't get a great shot off. And, and when you just look at Samsonov's positioning, listen, I'm not a goaltender, but I've done enough goalie sessions being a healthy scratch to pick up a thing <laughs> or two over the years. Like... He's off his angle. He's way out of the net. Like, I had one goalie coach. He used to joke around with goaltenders if they were sliding a little too much. He would say, bud, you're sliding into the snack bar. Like, that's how far out of the net you're sliding right now. And that's what I thought of when I saw Samsonov out like that on that sod goal. It's just one of those ones, and I know there's a lot of game after it, and the Leafs score goals, they get back into the game, all that kind of stuff. But it's the squeaker from a mental point of view as a goaltender I don't think you want to be letting, A, the five-hole. Goalies go nuts with five-hole goals, but especially when it's a squeaker like that, it's it's got to be um, you know, it's a, a deflating feeling for those guys. So it, regardless of all the other goals, that's the one. That's the go for me. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And Because and, it's just that, that you're chasing, and, and that's been, you know, you look at the two games that they've lost here of late, the one against Arizona and then this one here, you allow an early, early goal, slow start to the game, and now you're kind of need to claw your way back. And they did a good job, you know, bit of a gutsy performance to grind it out, come back on three different occasions and bring this game to overtime and, and bring it into a shootout and get yourself a, a pity point. But, you know, if you make that save and you're not chasing the entire night, perhaps it's a bit of a different story. The second yeah. period, that could just go. That was a, 
That was just an an awful period from like a, a technical perspective. That was you just didn't like the second period, Al's brother. I did not <laughs> like the second period. Uh, not not a whole lot there. Um, from I think they had like St. Louis had like a seventy seven percent expected goals in the second period yeah. alone. So it wasn't uh, yeah it, it wasn't great. That's for sure. Sixty six percent. It's a ton. A ton of goals, too, and sometimes I wonder about this. We always talk oh, about... 77% at all situations, actually. 77% expected oh. goals. Seven okay, high-danger well, thank chances. You. <laughs> thank you for clarifying that, Al's brother. You're welcome. But the like the goals, the, the, the quantity of goals in that short duration, sometimes I'll watch a game, and it's like a 2-1 game or a 3-2 game, and there's great saves, there's just enough goals, and I'm thinking, this is captivating. Like This is very exciting. And sometimes when there's, and this may be a not a popular opinion, but when there's too many goals and they kind of just go in with too much ease, I'm like, okay, it takes away. It takes away from the theater of it. It takes away from the the suspense, the thrill of it. And that's what it felt like when when there's scoring goals left, right, and center. I'm like, okay, here we go, another one, right? Like, give me that. Give me that theatrics that that we didn't really, for me, that, 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 that is a different feeling. And... I don't know. A lot of people will just say goals, goals, goals. Yeah, equals excitement, excitement, excitement. I don't know, man. Every once in a while, you mix in some big saves and kind of similar yeah. to the the Canada Slovakia game, where you're like, is it in? Is it not in? There's a big save. It's going back and forth like that. That feels more captivating to me. Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. And, and you just you want good pace to the game. That's what's that's yeah. when the game's at its best is when there's good pace and when you're stopping to have to redrop the puck once every 45 seconds. It kind of right. breaks up the pace yeah, of the game a little bit there. Takes away from that. Yeah, and also, all right, all I mean, brother. well, three special teams goals allowed. You're not going to win a whole lot of games that way. Well, that's the thing. You give up a shorty. You give up two power play goals, and you yeah. know you can do yourself some favors by by winning the special teams battle. And um, it's the shorty, man. It's the shorty. It's the squeaker. Like the one, the one power play goal that goes off Braden Shen. I mean, that that goes off Kerfoot's yeah, stick. Like it's not like it's not like he got beat on a set play there. Or, you know, a, a lack of of details. That's that's gonna happen. That's just the the nature of the beast there. One of the things that, that I would like to see go, Al's brother, and this is something that the Leafs have done a really good job of this season, and this game is a is a bit of an outlier in that regard, but the lack of insulating the front of the net. And the Leafs gave up 20 slot shots last night. 16 of those were at 5-on-5. Five five. Just for reference, I did the Habs panel last night versus Nashville, yeah. and the Habs, their last three games have lost 7-2, 9-2, and 6-3. And last night, Montreal gave up 17 slot shots, and they were dominated by the Preds. So 20 against for the Leafs is a big-time outlier. And we have some audio of Sheldon Keefe just talking about the defense recalibrating and not being in sync. Here's what he had to say. I think it's recalibrating. Uh, you know, I think it's you can tell it's it hasn't played hasn't played together. It's not in sync, both in the pairings and the players. You know, uh, Sandy's Sandy's coming off a break. Mo's coming off of a really long break uh, away from playing. So, you know, all of those kind of things are going to take a little bit of time to fall into place. Clearly. Now, Frankie. So it's just an outlier. It's just an outlier for me because they're like yeah. when you look at it when when it comes to them giving up slot shot chances. They're like sixth in the league. They're they're really good in that regard, and they have been for a long time. It's just something about St. Louis that leads to these high-scoring games and giving up big-time chances. Yeah, and last night, the fifth-highest uh, expected goals against that they gave up last night as well, just to kind of you know speak to that. But, 
you know, Sheldon Keith talked about recalibrating a couple of guys who haven't played in a while. I mean, you know a thing or two about not playing for long periods of time. Absolutely. And, for and, for many reasons, else, brother. Yes. And, but then being thrown out there and again, like how difficult is that to be out for a stretch of time? I think like Sandine, Riley's yeah. only back in his second or third game. Like is is the how long does it take for these guys to get their legs back under them? It takes a while. The the issue is when you're out for weeks, you know, you're ta- not talking a day-to-day injury, but a week-to-week injury, and Morgan Riley was out six weeks. And, listen, he's been around the league a long time. He knows how to get back into things. But the the game, the pace, the, um, you know, how, how tight everyone is checking, that all picks up as the season goes on. It really does. And so when you miss that much time, it's it's a different league that you're coming back to. Everyone's, a, a, you know, and last night, actually, around the National Hockey League, we saw a lot of high-scoring games. We've seen a lot of leads given up. So that might have to do with everyone just coming back off a break in the holidays. Uh, but, you, you know, when you, when you miss that much time, you know, you're, you're, you're stepping back into a league that has moved on without you. The pace has moved on without you. Now you're playing a little bit of catch-up, and you're not necessarily in that rhythm that you were in where, you know, everything just feels so instinctual and you don't have to think about it, right? So um, for these guys, it is a challenge. The good thing is, as a team, they've played very well. This, you know, lack of insulating the front of the net, if you want to call it, is an outlier in this game. It's something they've been very, very good at. So the great thing is if you're a guy trying to come back into this lineup and, and, and get back to get recalibrated, it's not a hard team to do that in. You're not going to get caved in every single night. You're going to have opportunities to settle in nicely. Well, uh, we'll get back into last night's game against uh, the, the Blues with, with David Alter. He'll join us at one thirty. But on the other side, we'll head out to Halifax, Canada, taking on the Americans tonight in the World Junior Semifinal, a game you can listen to right here on TSN 1050. Mark Masters, join us next here on Leafs Lunch. Now, back to Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Your duds in order, cause we're bound to cross the water. Heave away, me jollies, heave away. Least questions will get you out of your car at least today. It's as easy as pie. A piece of cake, avoid penalties and early termination fees. Visit leasebusters.com. I hope we hear this song a lot tonight. Yeah. Canada, US. It's always such a fantastic matchup when these two collide. And I mean, Canada, it was a scare. The other night uh, against Slovakia. It was a sweat. You know what it was? It was you with a 16 parlay in the middle of August, and you're waiting for the sixth leg to hit, and it's the Diamondbacks versus the Padres, and you're sitting in your bed at 1.30 in the morning waiting this out. (laughs) That's what it was. It was actually, you can even go a lot sooner than that. On Sunday, I had an eight-game par, no, eight-play parlay in one game, that ended up going into overtime, and I needed 10 more yards from Hunter Renfro of the Vegas Raiders to uh, oh, to no. make that parlay hit, and yeah. uh, it, it didn't happen. They, no. Jared Stidham threw an interception, and uh, unfortunately, it, it didn't work out for me. You got but, jobbed. You got jobbed. I want to know. I did. 
I want to know if Mark Masters got jobbed on his way to Halifax because you know he likes to fly first class. Do you think Ooh. they flew him out first class or do you think he was in economy? Well, let's find out. Let's bring him in now. It's Mark Masters, our TSN World Juniors reporter. Mark, did you get the first class treatment on your way out to Halifax for the World Juniors this year? Yes, so I was flying to Moncton for the camp uh, and I did not get the upgrade. I put in for it, I think. But it was, I guess I was too late. I, I didn't quite make the cut, but that's all right. I slept on the plane, felt pretty good, and that's the last time I've been on a plane. So it's been nice to just drive between Moncton and Halifax here. Well, as someone who recently got the upgrade, the sleep is a lot better in the pods. I can now say that with experience, too. Way better with the pods. But it's all good. Can't always get it. Um, have you been able to, to uh, experience what's going on out in Halifax? I heard it's just, it's just been a tremendous time from everybody who's been out there. Well, I've been in the arena, uh, so I can tell you in the arena it's been awesome, and it's been an incredible, even in Moncton, even in the selection camp scrimmages with the U-Sports players when they were trying to, trying to figure out who was going to be on this team, it was uh, just, it was the Hockey Canada folks were telling us they haven't seen that big of a turnout for, for those scrimmages, and then obviously pretty much full in Moncton for the exhibition games, and even, you know, the Americans were saying yesterday that they played in Moncton until now, and they were impressed with with just how full it was. So the, the whole, you know, Maritimes have obviously supported this on short notice as well, obviously with it initially being planned for Russia and we should have been in Siberia right now, which would have been a different field. So yeah, yeah it's, it's been awesome. Uh, it's been great. Uh, the barn's been hopping. I, you know, the players are saying it's going to be even more amped up tonight for Canada, us. I don't know how that's possible because it was absolutely electric down the stretch of that game against Slovakia a couple nights ago. So I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to see what tonight will bring, especially after, you know, we experienced uh, Edmonton and the bubble there and then the the crowds were kind of it was wasn't very full as you as we know in the summer. So it's been a it's been great. Mark, speaking of scrimmages, were you did you make an appearance to the T S N staff shinny game and we hear Johnny pulled off of Michigan, we're hearing Julia Tasheri splitting the D, going post and in. Were you there for that? Did you get invited? What's up with the shinny game? Uh, I, unfortunately, I was still working uh, when they were out on the ice there. Uh, yeah, because we had to do a sports center piece. I don't really play anymore. I play ball hockey. It's my is my uh, jam. So I'm a good fourth line grinder in my ball hockey team. I, I haven't been on skates in a while. So just like the O dog, I abstained. <laughs> oh, the the rumor is though that Johnny still still has it, and I mean. I wouldn't doubt that uh, doubt that at all. Uh, last we uh, last we saw the Canadians out there in action. It was the Connor Bedard show. Ah, it's been the Connor Bedard show, I guess, throughout the entire two weeks that this tournament's been going on. I mean, he, there was MVP chance raining from the streets uh, after what he did to win the game against Slovakia the other night. I mean, have you ever seen somebody dominate a tournament like this before? Not only like on the ice, but the amount of conversation revolving this kid off the ice and, and and all that everybody this is all that people have been talking about in hockey circles yeah that's my 11th world juniors and uh we haven't seen something like this uh certainly a 17 year old which adds i think a lot obviously a big part of the story because we don't know who he's going to be playing for in the nhl so there's just so much intrigue and he he, he makes the team with adam fantilli as well so there was a another draft eligible guy and that was kind of the storyline at the start was how are they going to play out? You know, could Fantilli close the gap? Would Bedard elevate? And Bedard certainly has just elevated and elevated some more. So, no, it's just every day that's the story. Like, uh, and rightfully so because he's 
keeps producing these magical moments and these amazing things. So, no, I, I've never experienced something like this. Uh, it's been, it has been the Connor Bedard show, and it's been great. Like for me, Mark, Canada USA is the marquee matchup in this tournament, and that's no disrespect to Sweden and Russia when they're in the tournament, but there's something different about a Canada US game. And with what Connor Bedard has been able to do, it's been very, very impressive against all the other teams, including Slovakia. But, like, how big would it be for his legacy to have a, a moment tonight against the United States? Well, he's had, a, he had what we, you know, a lot of people are calling the signature moment for him uh, on Monday night against Slovakia. But he made the point that, you know, it's job's not done, you know. It's just the quarterfinals, so... You know, what, how are we going to remember that moment if they get if they get uh, beat up tonight by the Americans, and then who knows what happens for bronze uh, tomorrow? So yeah, I mean, it would it just elevates it, right? You know, special players find ways to come through in in, in big moments. That's what he did against Slovakia. He's he's been willing this team uh, along the way here when they went through some some struggles early on. He's just getting better and better. So the Americans say they they got a plan. They wouldn't reveal it. The Slovaks were very open. You know, we're going to try and rough them up. We're going to play physical. And, and hope to get under his skin. They were able to draw him into one roughing penalty, which he wasn't happy about. But otherwise, you know, he had two goals in his assist, uh, and you know that that was that was enough. Uh, the Americans aren't really. I mean, they're physical, but their defense, especially, isn't built the, that way. They only have one defenseman who stands taller than six foot, so that's Luke Hughes. So they're probably going to try and be uh, a tra- transition game. You know, they don't want uh, Connor Bedard with the puck in his hands uh, in the offensive zone, uh, obviously goes without saying. So it'll be intriguing to see how they handle him tonight. And, uh, yeah, a- another big moment. It would just The legend would just grow. It's already pretty big. In conversation with Mark Masters, our TSN World Juniors reporter out in Halifax. And you can watch USA-Canada tonight on TSN 1050, coverage at 6, uh, and also on the TSN radio network starting at 6.30. Uh, I mean, from a from a team perspective, give us a little bit of a scouting report. What do you think is going to be the key to victory tonight for Canada to advance to the finals? Well, Connor Bedard, uh, Connor Bedard, <laughs> Connor Bedard. Yeah, I mean, so much of it it goes through Bedard. If he's if he's the the best player in the tournament, it's it's hard for you to lose. The goaltending is hard to to get a get a sense of. You know, uh, two undrafted guys going head to head, so that will be intriguing to see how those guys hold up. But, you know, for Canada, if you can shut down that Logan Cooley line with Snuggerud and, and Heather Gauthier, I mean, that's really been the driving force for, for their offense. Uh, and the depth of their offense has been a question mark. Uh, and for Canada, their own end has been the question mark. So if the Americans can, can, can pin them down, they've kind of looked lost at times in their own end. They're not there a lot, but that's kind of the Achilles heel is, will Milich hold up in net? Uh, Thomas Milich, the goalie. He obviously made the big saves when they needed him to against the Slovaks. Can they can they can they can they be good enough in their own end uh, if the Americans get rolling around in there? So because the Americans believe they got the beef up front where they can, you know, Tyler Boucher, Ottawa 67s forward, having a good tournament, he could do some damage on the forecheck. So that will be the question: is how Canada holds up, and in the Americans, it's their it's their small guy defense. Is can Canada's forecheck, you know, get to them, force force turnovers, get them stuck because they've been very good and effective at moving the puck, getting zone exits going. And, um, it's, that's the clash to me is the Canada's big forward group and defense against the American speed and skill tonight. Mark, do you get the sense that there's a lot of deferring to Bedard with this team? Like, has there been 
good performances that we're maybe just not noticing because Bedard is so dominant. And in this game tonight against USA, like are, are is is Canada going to need to see more from others because they're going to need to help facilitate for Bedard because it, it just seems like it's a one man show and it's warranted. He's been unbelievable, but there's got to be other players on this team that can help bridge the gap, I guess, to Bedard's performance. Well, I mean, you would sure hope that that Shane Wright line would get contributing at some point here. They haven't really done anything five on five. I don't, I don't think they've been bad. It's just they haven't, you know, they, you would think that they would be able to contribute. There's two NHLers on that line. Shane Wright from the crack and Dylan Gunther from the Coyotes and Brendan Offman, who's played with Wright since minor hockey and is a returning player from the summer gold medal team. They feel snake bit. They feel like they're doing the right things. They're not getting caught up in it, but you still got to believe that there's more offense there at some point, especially if, if the other team is putting all their energy into stopping Connor Bedard, that you got to think that that's going to, to be it. But, you know, Zach Ostapchuk showed up in a big way, scored a big goal. Um, the Ottawa Senators prospect, they needed that goal. It was the one goal that Bedard wasn't involved in, and, and he, he, he delivered, and that was important because you do need that. You can't, it's a team sport. Bedard is amazing. But you have to have a little bit more, a little bit more there. So, yeah, that's what I'm looking at is, is that Shane Wright line. Uh, in terms of un, uh, guys who are maybe going under the radar, um, he plays with Bedard, so maybe uh, he, he goes even more under the radar. But I just asked uh, Canada's GM, James Boyd of the uh, 67s, you know, who's impressing you. He's like, it's Logan Stankov in the CHL yeah. Player of the Year who has been riding shotgun with Bedard since they, they made that change after the loss to Checky on Boxing Day. Stankoven's been excellent, really good. You know, five foot eight, but plays six foot two, six foot three game. The engine, Dennis Williams called him an energizer bunny. Really impressed with that guy. Uh, leader, leader on the team. And, uh, yeah, he's maybe flew a, a bit under the radar, kind of like how he was in the summer, too. Uh, Mark, but before we let you go, I, I got a, a little bit of a Leafs question for you here. I, I'm not sure how much you've been tracking them out, out on the World Junior Beat, but our colleague Pierre Lebrun reported yesterday that uh, Bunting's camp and the Leaf camp uh, have been in touch this week. Do you have any idea what that deal could look like? I mean, the guy's been on fire of late. 20 points his last 19 games. It's a good time for Bunting's camp to want to try and sit and get something going here. Yeah, I was just going to say, I wonder... You know what's the what's the urgency? Of? <laughs> you got time? Let's play play it out. Uh, I don't know what that deal would look like, um, but you know, Bunting's put himself in a position where, for the first time in his career, he's got a chance, obviously, to cash in, and and he deserves it. So uh, the, we know what the cap situation is, and that will be a fascinating uh, a fascinating uh, negotiation to watch play out whenever it happens. I, I just don't know what the uh, unless you think he's just going to continue on this pace. And that line's been awesome. I've been, you know, tracking it from afar, and obviously they got something good going there. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure what that uh, – it's a tough one, right? The track record, obviously, the last two years have been excellent, but uh, he's a, he's an interesting case, right? This is the guy who was up for the Calder at 26. So there's not many comparables for his, for his kind of career uh, trajectory there. So be fascinating to see, and I can't wait to get back on the Leafs speed and live and die on the Leafs starting next week. So, um <laughs> Geez, that, that looked like a fun game last night. Maybe not for the coach, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm eager to get back, that's for sure. Yeah, I'm sure the video sessions today aren't, uh, aren't a whole <laughs> lot of fun for, for a lot of those guys. But as a fan, yeah, a, lot, a little high-octane, mm-hmm. high-scoring game. It's, it's not too bad. Hopefully we can see a nice, high-octane, fun game tonight, uh, Canada and U.S. And uh, good luck on the broadcast, and enjoy the game, pal. Gosh, it's going to be fun tonight. Oh, man, Canada-U.S. Uh, this this is going to be a special one tonight, so I can't wait to see what happens. Thanks, guys. All right. There he goes. 
Mark Masters, our TSN World Junior reporter, first class reporter who had to sit in economy, I guess, on yeah. the way out to Moncton. First class. He'll be he'll be first class on the way home after the we job he's be. doing out there. Oh. They'll reward him with first class, or he'll just upgrade himself. Al's brother, I want to ask you something. <laughs> yeah, like there's been some talk coming, and now you're hearing a little bit of the posturing in the media as far as this game tonight. And one of the players on Canada, I believe it was Brant Clark, was saying, you know, we want to play a very physical game against this USA team. They don't necessarily like the physical game. And one of the U.S. players, it might have been Hughes, answered back. He's like, yeah, we're, we're perfectly okay with that. Like, we're ready for that. I don't know if this Canada team plays a very physical game. Like, it's not the way it used to be, where you would see guys charging from the blue line in, um, you know, really trying to put guys into the fourth row, like I, I understand, there there needs to be some physicality to it, but I I haven't seen it yet from from this team, and I almost would worry a little bit about making that your priority tonight over trying to win the game. Like I, I think there still needs to be more priority over winning the game than trying to run the U.S. team out of the building. Well, for sure, I I think you just you stick to your game and you play your game. I don't think you need to up the intensity because you feel like it'll it'll rattle the cage of of the Americans. I mean. It, just think about it. That's clearly what they, what a lot of these teams have tried to do with Connor Bedard. They're focusing on him, trying to be aggressive on him, and he's just picking him apart anyways. And they're losing hockey games because they're focused on one guy. I mean, I right. think that they just need to play their game tonight, and and I would assume they will. Um, like they're they're hey, but- they're a good team. And last time they had a scare when they lost to Checky in Game One. They came out with dominant performances afterwards. It was a wake yeah. up call. Listen, Perhaps it's Slovakia. If game physicality is part of the game plan, I love it, man. You got to wear down your opponent, and then you'll find ways yeah, to let natural, your skill right? take over. Absolutely, right? I, I I love that. That's a that's a priority. But keep in mind what what you came to do. You came to win a hockey game. You didn't come to, I don't know, for lack of a better term, just goon it up. Even though that's a <laughs> that's a very lazy term I'm using well, there. But you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, and I think too, like it's it's tough to play that goon, you know, rough and tough style of sure, game with the international when, rules well it's not that it's just you have the puck all the time like right. the, the, the canadians have the puck on their stick right so like yeah. they're not the ones who have to go out there and hit guys to get those pucks they've been able to just have them and ju- they're just toying with teams yeah. <laughs> right now i mean that you look at a couple of the games obviously they're against much lower talent levels and the americans will probably pose the biggest threat to them that they've faced so far i know slovakia took them to overtime czechia did beat them but on paper and historically, it's the Americans that always give them a hard time. I think U.S. has won like four or five of the last six yeah. uh, meetings between these two. So, you know, including They'll a couple need some awareness. games of late. Like tonight, they, they will need some awareness defensively because the U.S. has very mobile defensemen who like to get involved offensively. And that can work against the U.S., but it, it could also work for them very much so if Canada, you know, misses those guys as far as back checking into their zone and over back checking and um, you know not catching that second wave or or if these guys really want to activate in the offensive zone and you know similar to how the Leafs do get rolling around with a, a five-man unit offensively like that'll be that'll be a big time focus for this team tonight I have uh, I have a theory I know it's, it's one of your favorite terms that you like to use a theory I do I do I think Adam Fantilli is going to have the best game of his tournament tonight that's He's my facing- guy buddy I know he is. He's facing a bunch of his uh, bunch of his teammates from Michigan over in the yeah. U.S. I think he's going going to want to put on a show against those guys. Fantilli will step up, and uh, he and Bedard 
will be able to to help lead this team into the championship, into the final. That's that's Al's, that's my prediction. Al's brother, I love that prediction. I love that theory. Take us to break because we have a lot to talk about today. Still, absolutely, we do. On the other side, uh, we could talk about Carl Bedard. We could talk about. A little bit about this uh, this Michael Bunting contract situation, too. And then in the next hour, we're going to play some Word Association Wednesday for the second week. I can't wait to play that with you, Frankie. We played it last week with Jonas. He gave it the stamp of approval, a worthwhile uh, returning segment. So we are going to return it. And then David Alter will join us at 1.30. I'm Mike DiStefano with Frank Corrado. You listen to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. This is Leafs Lunch. On TSN 1050, the Leafs live here. Al's brother, I've been thinking about something. So we have the Leaf game on Saturday, TSN 1050 does. I'll be in the building. The tap man will be in the building. I'm hearing you will be in the building as well. And that presents an interesting proposition for me. And I'll tell you why. I would like to be the one to negotiate a little bit of a peace treaty between you and the tap man. (laughs) And I don't know. I don't know how it's going to go down. I don't know how I'm going to do it. But you can call me the UN. You can call me the United Nations. (laughs) I would like to bring you both together in peace and harmony and end whatever kind of feud is going on. And just I, restore peace at TSN 1050. I have no feud with Jim Taddy. I, he has beef with me, apparently. I don't even know where this came from, but he wasn't too happy with how things went up. He believes I threw him under the bus. I, I didn't throw him under the bus. All I relayed was the information that JP had right. told me that right. he told Taddy that the spread had changed, and apparently he yeah. didn't get the information, and now he believes that I threw him under the bus, and I didn't. I, I was would just hate, explaining something. I would hate, yeah. I would, listen, I would I would hate to, to see you not be allowed in the booth anymore because of a misunderstanding, <laughs> so... I'm gonna do my best. I'm gonna I'm gonna come All up right. with some strategies as far as you know making that that peace treaty. But but speaking of strategies, Al's brother, there's gonna be a lot of teams now strategizing how to get Connor Bedard. Like just we, I know we talked about him a lot this hour, but just to to put a bow on it, man. Like there's gonna be a lot of teams making pushes to the bottom of the standings. And the crazy thing is, like only one team is gonna be lucky enough. Like you're gonna have to be bad enough to put yourself in that position. But you're going to have to be lucky to win that lottery. Like, this is the biggest that's lottery the in a long time now, and only one team can do it. Yeah, that, that's the thing. It's like you can you can tank all you want, but how is that going to work out for you if you don't end up winning the lottery? And only one team can win. You know, like we saw this years ago with Connor McDavid. You know, Buffalo literally traded away every single goaltender who made a save that season and yeah. ended up coming up short in second place. I mean, they got a decent you know, pick in, in Jack Eichel, not a bad consolation prize, but they didn't get Conor David, and that's who no. they wanted was yeah. Conor David, and they t- completely tanked that season. I mean, you look at what a lot of teams are doing this year. I mean, I would think that a lot of these teams sitting here, and if they're not going to be winning, they're just going to decide to tank. I think Pierre Lebrun was talking about this yesterday on Insider Trading. Why don't we play that audio, and then we can react to it uh, on the other side. 
Yeah, what I would tell you is that Connor Bedard's unbelievable World Juniors had certainly fortified what a lot of teams already thought. Those teams are in the bottom of the standings, that this guy is super special, and that if these teams were already going to move a certain player, some rental players, why not try to get to it sooner rather than later to fortify those draft lottery chances? And so, you know, those are the conversations I think they're going to happen here in short order. Now, it's one thing for teams in the bottom third of the standings to want to make those trades. It's another to have the buyers being ready to make that type of deal so early out from March 3rd, especially given the lack of cap space around the NHL. But believe me, those conversations are happening right now. Two things on this, Al's brother. One, if you are a good team, and you know you're going to the playoffs, you know you have a shot at winning the Stanley Cup this season, you're salivating over this. Because maybe in years past, other teams are thinking, I don't know if I want to part with this player or that player. No, no, no. Teams are parting with their players, and they want future picks. They want things that are going to help them in the long run. So now you know there's more quality pieces in play for you. And if you're one of those bottom half teams, you're thinking, all right, let me let me think to the future here. And you know how sometimes teams are kind of half in, half out? Well, now you're out, and you know you're out, and there's a good reason for you to be out. And so even if you don't land Bedard, you start selling off some of your big pieces to these contending teams. If you don't get Bedard, you're still going to have a ton to show for it if you go about your business the right way. Yeah, it, and it feels like, like it, from a Toronto perspective, I suppose I could help because this is—I mean, this is a team that's 100% aiming, and they're going to be buyers at the deadline and aiming to make the Stanley Cup push, and they'll be looking to get better. And it could be a buyer's market based on that. If if you've got a lot of the guys, a lot of the teams that'll be selling, looking to offload some of their good players so that they can keep up with the Joneses in terms of tanking for Bedard, there could be some really good yeah. players at some cheaper. Yeah. You know, prices come March 3rd trade deadline. So maybe Toronto is one of those teams who could, you know, get lucky, I suppose, in a year. The you'll problem get fair market is, value. You'll get, yeah. you'll get fair market value. Like teams are GMs. This is a business, right? But it's also like a little bit of a, a club in the sense that guys aren't going to go out of their way to embarrass guys on deals, right? Like they just, these guys work too closely together. So you're going to get fair market value. It's just you'll be able to achieve that fair market value a little easier than you would have in the past. Yeah, I completely agree with that. My, my thing is like, it's unfortunate the salary cap situation and how that could maybe not lead to a lot because a lot of teams up at the top of the standings just don't have cap room like the cap space just isn't there to make a big splashy trade so that's where it gets a little complicated and and we'll see how you know gms go about their business to make things work they they always have and especially dubas has tricks up their sleeve to make things work and and go out and get the guys who they want so i'm sure there'll be some movement but you know the cap being so stagnant for a couple of years now here um, it, that also kind of plays a factor into some of these bigger contracts and, and more talented players who are on bigger ticket deals uh, potentially not getting moved or making it difficult to move at the very least. I think we can get uh, – maybe we'll get back into some of this during the Word Association Wednesday segment Ooh, okay. potentially. That will be coming right. up on the other side. Also coming up in the second hour, we'll be joined uh, by good – Friend of the show, David Alter, who will join us at 1.30. I'm Mike DiStefano with Frank Corrado. You listen to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050.